Hey, what's up, people? Welcome back to our third episode. No, it's episode three, season one on Africa Startup Roundup. Basically, a podcast that discusses the African startup ecosystem. Yeah, my name is Alan. Yes, and again, my name is Nick. And today, guys, I want to discuss about something that's been in the news for the last couple of weeks. I mean, as you all know, Jumia filed to go public on the New York Stock Exchange a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, this plan of going of them going public start a lot of questions about what defines an african startup well where the company runs the largest e-commerce business in africa with i think operation in 14 african countries which yeah. include kenya, kenya it's been incorporated in germany if i'm not wrong uh, a parent company called internet yes. uh, rocket internet uh german yeah then it has company. it has its operations it headquarters in dubai yeah with its central tech team based in Portugal. Interesting. Mm. And I think this is where all this debate about Jumia being an African startup comes, uh, comes about. And I think the other week, I had an interview with the Jumia, C, the Jumia Kenyan MD, Sam Chapati. Mm. And maybe we just need to understand what he said. So listen to what he had to say about this filing. We are businesses registered um, in Germany as per the, the IPO documentation. And and that's simply, you know, a very simple decision that's come out of conversations with, with investors who prefer to have uh, a registered business that they can put money into. But again, we're 100% focused on, on Africa, uh, on, you know, our team here on Kenya um, and more generally uh, on, on, on Africa. You know, all of our customers are here. Uh, we are helping customers in Kenya save time and money. We're helping vendors, you know, in our markets grow their businesses. Uh, we're helping our partners and our teams um, develop new skill sets and experiences which are going to help them grow personally and extend their businesses eventually as well. I'm you know, personally really excited about um, you know, the emerging junior sort of mafia um, across the continent as well. People that have you know, learned uh, a lot of things uh, at junior that have gone on to found their own businesses. I think that will continue to happen in, in, the, in the years ahead. Do you think Jumia is an African startup? From my point of view, I think for me, I think it's an a European uh, startup operating in Africa. A European startup. I mean, what makes you think so? Is it good? So for me, I stand with like with the article of Quotes Africa. Uh, one of the writers says, "My standard for saying a startup is African is simple: the idea of originating from Africa, and its uh, founders being African." Also, yeah, that's why I'm saying. One, founders are French, three of them, and then two, the incorporation and start of the company was, it's incorporated in Germany, now going public in New York. So for me, I'm feeling it's, it's the same way like Amazon could have started uh, in a Silicon Valley and then established its first operations in Africa. We would have defined it, it's not just like an African, but also an American company operating in Africa. But, but, let, but I mean, let, let's agree on one thing. I mean, despite the African startup coming of age right now, yeah. I mean, there are so many things happening uh, in the African startup ecosystem right now. I mean, many people still struggle to actually come up with the correct definition and it's understandable, mm-hmm. right? 
I mean, how, how do you define an, uh, how do you define an African startup? Right? And the reason is simple. By, according to an article I read on Digest Africa, mm-hmm. so I mean, the founder of Digest, Digest Africa, P.K. Malins, I think, mm-hmm. he was talking about. In fact, there's a statement he said, "The reason is simple. Unlike most parts of the world, Africa is very much fragmented with many loopholes, like lack of strict strict competition, competition authorities that are easy to exploit." Especially yeah. with globalization falling upon us, making it easy and luring for one to start a global company right away. Mm-hmm. Is it the case with Jumia? I mean, uh, why could they just yeah. start a global company and have everything in Africa? Their headquarters here, their tech support here, everything here. So, basically, I think to some point also, it wouldn't have been a, a wise idea to just pull everything to Africa. Like you said, like basically, we still have some uh, resources to pull together. We still have some challenges in terms of infrastructure, the uh, regulatory uh, challenges. So it would have been, I would say, quote-unquote, it would have been suicidal to just pull everything to Africa other than uh, other than strategies. I actually, for me, I feel, was looking at the history and how the company has been structured from the start i think the jumia founders were so keen in terms of looking at where can we find the best resources uh, if it's tech where where do we go in terms of finding the best tech uh, tech team if it's uh, the market size how do we where can we find the biggest market size mm-hmm. so and then also now as they figure out where do we how can we best make the company move into uh, into a more bigger and have more bigger investment uh, in terms of going public then new york stock exchange and uh, the us makes a perfect fit for the stage so i would say each at each stage of their development they have been looking at where can we maximize and where can we find an opportunity that is yet to be exploited and Africa being the biggest market that had not been taken up by Amazon which could have been a big competitor if they went to the US market directly or China where Alibaba could have uh, come in as a big competitor they saw Africa as a very 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 convenient uh, convenient market to kickstart and take it off uh, take off the company but in the real sense uh for me I, I still stand that africa is a convenience uh to the start and operations of the company i mean, I mean jimmy operates in 14 african countries right 14 african countries yeah, well, and actually remember when, when during that interview yeah. one of the questions i asked sam chapate the, the jimmy md was like what makes you african the vast, you know, all of our operations, all of our talent, all of the, the thinking and of the business development is going on here. Um, that's where 5,000 of my colleagues are. I, mean, I, you know, the, the, I fully understand the, the concerns around the topic of, of African ownership and of African leadership. I think both in the, in the tech community and the wider business community, I fully understand that, you know, that topic. Uh, I think it's an important one to have conversations around and to continue to contribute towards. Um, I feel that we are personally having a big impact on that. Um, 
through for the reasons that I've laid out before, you know, around developing skills, around building uh, experience and credibility for our teams who will go on to found these amazing businesses across the continent as has happened in other parts of the world. From the li- uh, listening to what you had to say, I feel it would be a good, it makes sense for Ras to accept uh, uh, Jumia as a company operating in Africa and be proud of the brand in the African sense, but not really uh, to say that we accept it as its roots having uh, uh, come from Africa. Because if you say, for example, how many businesses are operating in Africa, right? Samsung operates in Africa, uh, Amazon operates in Africa, Western Union operates in Africa and have created uh, thousands of jobs in Africa, but they still can't qualify, they don't qualify to be African, but just the operations and also the employment. But one would argue that for Zoomia, Africa is their primary market. I mean, so what you're trying to tell me, it's like, the fact, for example, I run a startup, right? Yeah. And I have this particular area as my target Mm -hmm. market. For example, Africa, well, in this case, the Zoomia story. So, the fact that Zoomia is enough, is is a, is a, is focusing on Africa, mm-hmm. does that not make it necessarily an African startup? Not really. Uh, one, only where African, we can see some African uh, face value in the company is from the advisory board. Uh, the two co-founders, who are, one who was Nigerian and the Cameroonian, already left. We now have still the founders who are French and understand Probably they might understand one or two things, but have not, to some point, gone through the challenges of being uh, of being born and raised in Africa. But at some point, really, you with the use of population and uh, the impact in terms of job creation, we can we still can't qualify it to be solely an African startup. It's still a European startup so, operating. Uh, so are we talking about an identity issue here? Yeah, it's an identity issue. And, and, and actually the Jumia, the Jumia uh, debate brings me to another question which yeah. we should be looking at actually mm-hmm. in, in the coming days. So many Africans have founders who are not Africans, yeah. right? So I mean what we need to understand is what should we use to classify a startup as African right now? Mm-hmm. What should we look at? I would say first is the co-founders, the founders found, and then the reason why it was founded. Uh, I mean, like retail market, and a retail market is generally a, a market that is open to anyone to solve and sell goods, right? Mm-hmm. But some of the challenges, really, and problems, we require people, local people, to solve the local problems. And, and the tax issues, it, it, it's actually very, very big, actually. Yeah. You know? I mean, where do you pay your taxes and stuff? Uh, and, and that's why, at this point, I'll, I'll agree with you at some point, and any other, any other person, actually, is part of, has been part of this debate from the last couple of weeks, right? And, and, and you'll, be, you'll also agree with me that most investors, are also, uh, when they try to push money to sub-Saharan startups, they're always very, very not yeah, sure if cause, I mean that's why they're so more comfortable investing in startups than incorporating the US or in other African countries or just countries that the countries that are familiar with. And I think that's probably why Jumia decided to let's list list in the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, it's like because they're looking for money. That's, yeah. that's the fact. They're looking for money. Yeah. People to invest. Yeah, to invest and also 
now is a convenient time for them to go global uh, so for me i'm still feeling this being a stan african startup them having operated and uh, started the operation in africa they want to be identified with africa uh, but so and i think it's very fine and i i i think it's okay but to some point not really to say an african but operations let's separate the identity of being an african to the main market of the of the company and the impact of the company mm-hmm. so someone will say like for some of for some of these startups using the affi- the african affiliation affiliation as a prop is just an ambition to get quick recognition yeah. from some of these investors and actually get money yeah so for example right now saying like to some point it have been uh, a bit hard to pick off for example for jumia there wouldn't be much market they have gotten if they had gone for example head to head with amazon in the us yeah. or alibaba in uh, in china right so africa was a very convenient market to tap into mm-hmm. one because of uh, the technical challenges that uh, were associated with and then also the resources mm-hmm. and the fact that people needed a platform to use on a local level mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it's it was a convenience to be able to be recognized as fast as possible mm-hmm. because they are reaching an additional an additional market that Amazon or Alibaba has not yet or even Walmart mm-hmm. has not has not yet reached and and and, and uh, i think on you know, that aside like mm-hmm. i know the numbers are there it's some good money mm-hmm. i mean for them their focus being african okay let's not let, no, let's not try to use the word an african startup for now <laughs> but for them their focus being an, yeah, being yeah, african you, i think we'll be, mean, we should change the title to european company operating in africa <laughs> <laughs> someone told me the same thing the other day yeah. but now the thing is with having listed on the new and and on the new york stock exchange mm-hmm. and being the first i think there's an article i did but i used the term african focused startup yeah, yeah so african being an, focused, an african yeah, focused that, startup that. Mm-hmm. to be the first yeah. to list in the new york stock exchange jumia you know finally listed um on the new york stock exchange um which i think is a is a huge testament to the hard work of of our sellers to the trust of our customers um and to the efforts of our partners and teams which we are really excited about um uh, excited particularly because it means that we um have raised the funds to help us continue to invest in Kenya um continue to you know provide opportunities for sellers to grow their businesses and create jobs and to help customers save time and money um our strategy remains the same which is to continue to um build out our services um for the long term um but an exciting moment i think for for jumia for our partners um for our teams and 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 actually for the wider ecosystem as well i mean what do you think this means for jumia as a company what does it mean for them on one point i think it's an exciting moment for the african market in general and even no african population to really now start uh use the platform to get a uh, local products uh conveniently and then two it's also an opportunity for them to invest further and more into the african market and probably expand the operation by expanding the operation into other countries that also means uh 
the general output GDP of Africa as a continent uh, goes up. Uh, and it's also a good opportunity for local uh, more jobs, because uh, that means they now scale, they, they're able to offer more people uh, jobs, which means going from 5,000 to, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, 100,000 is possible with more resources. It gives local entrepreneurs that uh, opportunity, I would say opportunity to dream bigger and see see African market as much bigger and much capable mm-hmm. than we might have thought uh, in the past. And then on the other hand, it also gives uh, us an opportunity to see what internet can actually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, like who would have known would have known an internet company e-commerce site could have started operations in africa mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes people will say ah internet is exp- still expensive in africa who will use your platform who will yeah. use in uh your platform to buy to buy goods but we still see so that it's also an opportunity for both local investors mm-hmm and entrepreneurs to see what the internet can do. And it's also a challenge to the local public, uh, for example, market, public market. Uh, For example, Nairobi Stock Exchange. We have less startups going public in Kenya and or even private companies going public. Why why is the scenario? this might be an opportunity now for us to actually start reflecting where did the rain beat us or where do we need to invest more to be able to make local startups start even growing being ambitious like you find like everyone is ambitious going public in the u.s you start a company basically you already have like a seven years plan of when you'll be going to nini public on nairobi stock exchange but again, that, that's, that, I mean, how, how willing, like, as we went, how willing, you know, like, for example, you know the reason people in, people go public to raise money, right? Yeah, One of the reasons, and like, for example, locally, <laughs> how willing will Kenyan, actually, do you know, yeah, very few Kenyan yeah, invest in, in, in local, local status yeah, businesses. Say, yeah. I mean, that could be one of the reasons. It's more prestige quote-unquote prestigious to go public yeah. in on your in Nairobi big, Stock Exchange because, yeah. you know, basically, it's like the finishing line of... Uh, uh, of the startup phase and even if you look at the startup development phase most of them end up like you go public you now start being this big giant that solves now already stable and you are you are making now more and more moves actually you know, this conversation this, this conversation is still ongoing actually all of people are discussing this jim is not a startup an african startup some some like me are calling an African focused startup, which I yeah, think is the right word to use. And, and and my friend Ken Abuya from TechWiz did a very interesting article. And one of the things I picked from that article he said, Jimmy often says it's an active it's active in Africa, particularly in six nations. This does not make it an African business. This does not make it an African business, so to say. The approach is used by other global businesses that operate in multiple markets. Some are their primary base. So being, according to Kenabuya, being active in such markets does not effectively make Jumia, make 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 Jumia, uh, make Africa Jumia's home ground. Yeah, it does. Which is something yeah, really, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. It does not. Mm. It does not. Yeah. You know, you can't actually end this conversation right now, especially with the, I write so much about African startups. I know you love startups. 
we are shooting this this video from a startup portable voices which is a pod, which which is a, which is a Kenyan only production and podcast network focused on producing african spoken entertainment so if you're looking to produce a podcast or just you know do a simple recording yeah that is www.portablevoices.com and also if you want to join the creatives club maybe tell us about it yeah you know actually guys who are like looking to start uh, start their podcast or have a podcast and want to grow them to the next level they can actually join our uh, join the newly established creatives club which is you get like eight to ten hours a month for only three thousand shillings a month and you have basically eight hours to ten hours to do as much content as possible and then plus someone who's like oh, i would like to start one but maybe you are there you want to start one but you don't know where to start mm-hmm. there are, there are actually upcoming workshops that will be focused on uh, podcasting voice narration sound production storytelling and master classes that would be like done by people who have uh, who are like experienced in that in particular field if it's sound engineering like that and these are benefits for, uh, that members of Creatives Club, only members of mm. Creatives Club. Ah, awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. My name is Nick. And my name is Alan. Yes. See you guys next, next Friday. Next Friday, eh? Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for listening. All right.